0: Hello and welcome to this week's Positive Recovery with Karina. And this week I thought it would be good to talk about the big A. Oh, that completely, absolutely debilitating condition called anxiety. And if you want to hear um, more about this, um, you can listen to myself and Polly in our happy hour um, talk about this in quite a lot of detail in episodes 119, 119. 120, 124, and 125 at www.sobertownpodcast.com, where you can hear all of our podcasts and lots, lots more. It really is our one stop sobriety shop. Um, But today I'm just going to talk about it in brief, but just give a, a quick overview about anxiety and what it is and some ways that we can control it. So how many of us actually drink or drank to calm our anxiety and our nerves? You know, it's a common thing, isn't it? You've had a shock, I have a brandy. Um, you've had a hard day, crack open the bottle. That's what I used to do. And I honestly forgot what the, the sound of the kettle was was like. I really did. As soon as I put a th- foot through my front door, I'd pop open um, a bottle, either with the old corkscrew or I'd twist a lid um, on my bottle of wine. And you know what, I can still actually hear that sound and I can still see the pour and I can still feel the relief of that first sip and that relax. But it's not in a romantic way anymore for me. Actually, it's kind of like, ugh. Because towards the end, I actually didn't like the taste of wine. It's just that I had to have it. And I probably started relaxing even before I'd taken that first mouthful because, you know, even through that step through the door, just that picking the bottle out of the fridge or from the shop on the way home, that probably started to relax me because it was a habit and that's, you know, what would calm me down. Um... The truth is, it wasn't actually calming the anxiety. It was stopping the alcohol withdrawal because alcohol withdrawal is 24 hours. And so, you know, I have started to get anxious, I needed that alcohol and you relax. And also, of course, it numbs, it does numb things, but it doesn't actually stop the anxiety. And then when we drink, it causes the chemical imbalances in our body and our brain and it, that in itself um, brings on adrenaline surges and it increases cortisol, our stress hormone. We know that alcohol does that. I was once a great lover of branding coke. That was my tipple. And actually, even now, mm, that's something could possibly call me back in. And I drank it in copious amounts. Um, but I had to stop. Because the caffeine in the Coke was causing far too much anxiety and heart palpitations. And um, anyone who knows me will know that that is the only thing I can moderate is caffeine. Because of that horrible feeling, because of the anxiety it induces in me. So at that time, I moved on to brandy with fresh orange juice. But guess what? I was still anxious the next day. Possibly not when I was drinking, because it was numb and everything. But the next day, it would make me really really anxious. Um, so I stopped drinking my favourite tipple and I moved on to wine and uh, and gin and other things and I persevered for, for way too many years really. Um, but one of the things we need to know is that anxiety is normal. It is a warning. It helped our ancestors to hunt and not be eaten by their prey. Um. And when we think about it, the people that that survived, our ancestors that survived, were the best hunters. They were the people that, that escaped. They could either stand and fight or they could run the hell out of there um, because they're the ones that survived. So over time, anxiety you know, has been within us because our ancestors, the ones with the most anxiety, were the ones that survived. So it is a normal, normal response. It's something that stops us from walking out in front of cars, um, you know, because in the presence of danger, there's a part in our brain called the amygdala, and I call it like our fire alarm. It's like a fire alarm going off, it's like ding, 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 danger, 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 um, and it makes us, you know, the sprinklers go off, the adrenaline surges into the body, and what the adrenaline does, it directs the blood supply to the heart making it beat faster and stronger and to the lungs so you can breathe quicker and stronger as well and if you don't use it correctly you can hyperventilate and that's when you get pins and needles and feel faint and we'll talk a bit about that a bit later and it also directs the into the muscles to give us strength to fight or get the heck out of there and in so doing, it takes blood supply away from the non-essential areas such as our stomach. And that's why we get butterflies and diarrhoea and nausea and vomiting. It takes the blood supply away from the skin, causing paleness and sweating. and Some people can look flushed as well. Um, and over time, you know, although that is good when, when we're faced with real danger, it's something that really helps us. Over time, our messages can get mixed messed up. And we can start to sense danger when there actually isn't any, Um, when we perceive there to be a danger. Usually it can be a thought and the alarm gets very sensitive and it goes off, leading to anxiety loops. So we have a thought, I can't handle this, I need to drink. A physical response might be that we might get shakes and palpitations and sweats. The behaviour is that we have a drink. And the thought then is, that's better. It's a physical response Everything calms down and, you know, the behaviour is that we drink because what we learn is that behaviour calms down our anxiety. But it doesn't. It's just making us it's numbing things and it's making us think that things are better. And we're telling ourselves that's better with that, that sigh, you know. And so we say, oh, that's better. So everything starts to calm itself down. And as I said earlier, the thing is that anxiety itself releases cortisol and adrenaline it stimulates the cortisol the stress hormone so it makes that adrenaline free flow it sends that that alarm going off in our brain and as we know when we've been drinking as well nothing's rational we you know read into things our thoughts go haywire they go all over the blooming place and that stimulates the adrenaline and that old fire alarm system going off so hopefully from that you can see that alcohol isn't good for anxiety and also just gives you a little bit of, an you know, information on what anxiety is and that it is normal. Okay. Uh, but, you know, it's not nice. And I know that anxiety is not nice. And if we don't control it, it can come into big panic attacks. And, you know, it really, really is horrible. So I want to just have a little look about anxiety management, like what can we do about this? So there are three parts to this. It's looking at the thoughts, the physical symptoms and the behaviours. Okay, breathing is the most important part. Now, it sounds simple, but we often hold our breath or breathe too quickly. And this brings on lots of physical changes. So just think about it very often. If we're in pain or we're worried or we're stressed, our automatic reaction is to hold our breath. And if we hold our breath, it straight away puts the chemical imbalance incorrect in our body. So we need to really learn to practice breathing. Um, And and do this every day, a few times a day and learn, you know, catch yourself when you're holding your breath. Just become more aware of your body and what you're doing. Um, If you're into your gadgets, there are gadgets on your iPhone and your watch, your iWatch and that. You can set up to just do a minute's breathing every now and again. And it is just simply just breathe in. Hold for a second and then breathe slowly out. So it's about controlling your breathing, not necessarily about doing deep breaths, but controlling it and regulating it. So breathe in. Hold for a second and breathe out. Okay. So if we practice that, then when we get anxious, we can then bring in that controlled breathing. Okay, but for an emergency response, so if you suddenly find yourself that you're really panicking, you're really anxious and you can't get your breath, you know, you're breathing too quick and you can't get your breath and you're starting to feel dizzy and you're getting all tingly, then just make a forced breath out. Just (sighs) because when you breathe out, you will automatically breathe in. So that will slow it all down and that will get you into your Breathe in and breathe out. Control it and breathe slowly. If you're hyperventilating, if you're breathing in and out too quickly, like (sighs) which is something we tend to do in anxiety and panic, the carbon dioxide and oxygen levels in our blood become imbalanced and it leads to all that horrible tingling and lightheadedness. So another way to correct the balance is to simply cup your hands and place them over your nose and over your mouth and breathe slowly in and out. Nothing deep, just take normal breaths. Okay. Um, People used to use paper bags many years ago. And one thing that I, I discussed on the podcast with Polly that I remember seeing a few months, and it always makes me chuckle, that this woman was having a panic attack and she picked up a yellow, bright yellow marigold glove, and she did her breathing in and out into that, and uh, all you could see is this hand coming in and out on the on the yellow marigold, and it, it makes me kind of chuckle now. So sometimes we can use humor, yeah, for anxiety. Sometimes I welcome my anxiety and go, hello anxiety old friend, what have you got to tell me today? Other times I might say, come on you little fucker if you think you're hard enough, come on then if you think you can get me. You know there's different techniques that will work at different times and it's about finding what works for you. But one of the most important things to prevent it, getting to that, to prevent that anxiety and that hyperventilation is to know what your trigger sign is. Well, know your triggers and know what your warning sign is. So my warning sign that anxiety is about to hit me is either a like spidery sensation over the back of my head and over my scalp or a thump in my chest. I just feel that thump in my chest. And straight away, as soon as I get any of those sensations, I start to breathe. Okay, so it's really important that next time anxiety hits, just tune into your body. How do you know what is the first symptom that you get? You have to control it because if you control that with your breathing, it helps you to behave more rationally and to think more rationally and to deal with the cause. So here's a little example of what will happen if you don't do that. Okay, so if I didn't go into my my symptom control, the physical change for me would be a thump in my chest or my heart beating faster. Okay, or whatever your warning sign is. The thought might be, oh God, I'm having a heart attack or I'm having a panic attack. I'm getting anxious. My behaviour is that I'll start hyperventilating. The physical changes might be that I get pins and needles and I feel lightheaded. Her thoughts could be, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. I could start running around, you know, manically. I could start calling an ambulance, you know, that does happen. And, you know, next time that happens, it will be even worse because I remember how terrifying it was that time. And each time we didn't remember the last time and it adds to it and it, you know, just causes that. That stress and that anxiety because, you know, it's just horrible. It's horrible. It's really horrible to have anxiety and a panic attack. So here's what happens if you focus on our breathing. You get that for me, I get that physical thump in my chest. My heart starts breathing faster. My thought is I need to breathe. My behaviour is that I start taking slow, deep breaths. The physical reaction is the heart will gradually slow. The thoughts are more controllable, it's just anxiety, nothing bad's gonna happen. My behaviour is that I continue to control the breathing, and physically everything returns to normal. The thought after that is that I managed that well and I know what to do in future and it gives you confidence to then deal with that at the future time. Now, the absolute worst thing that will ever happen to you in a panic attack is that you are faint. Okay, that is the worst thing that will happen is that you could faint. So if you are a fainter and this starts happening, you're not controlling things, just get yourself in a position of safety. Um, But when we faint, what happens is that our breathing just corrects itself. You won't hyperventilate when you faint. You'll just take your normal, steady breathing. And so that when you wake up from your faint, then your breathing will return to normal. Now, I'm not suggesting that you aim for a faint. And do you know what? I have... Never in all my 37 years of dealing with people with major anxiety and faints, I've never witnessed somebody faint from anxiety or panic attack. But I know that it does happen, but I've never actually witnessed it or seen it. And all that I've instructed you above is stuff that I've used for years, both for myself and with patients, to help them deal with this really debilitating condition. But hopefully you've seen that it doesn't have to be debilitating it really doesn't we can control it but it's all in the psyche and it's about how we talk to ourselves. so just another example of this you know very often anxiety is worse that the leading up to doing something that is anxiety provoking for us the worst thing is actually the lead up so say for instance um you are anxious about going out you don't want to go outside. It really is making you quite anxious. You get sweaty palms. You get worked up. You get sort of start pacing um and for a lot of us that might stop us actually going out and that starts that cycle again but it's our thoughts of you know what is it that's stopping us going out usually it's our thoughts it's like i might have to talk to somebody i might bump into somebody i don't know i might have a panic attack i might have anxiety it's all the thoughts that are stopping us going out and those thoughts g up all the physical stuff you know all those symptoms the pacing the anxiety the palpitations the sweaty palms and you know our behavior is that we just we stay in And we stay in and we say to ourselves, "Oh, I didn't have to go out, that's better. The physical calms down, we feel better and then we get stuck in that loop of not going out. If we just take that plunge and step outside, yes, it might increase initially, but it will gradually come back down. All those physical feelings will come back down because as you start to walk along, you'll see that everything starts to calm, it will start to calm because nothing can stay forever, no sensation, no feeling, no emotion can stay forever. It is changing all the time, every minute of every day. And we have to remember that our emotions and our feelings are normal, they are telling us something. But sometimes, with, like with anxiety and altered thinking, our brains start to narrate the story. And um, I heard a great quote the other day about authenticity. It was on another podcast actually. Authenticity in Latin means directly translated author of your own life. And that is what we are. So, I hope that will help you to rewrite your anxiety story and put you more in control of this debilitating condition. Let's not let anxiety win today. Let's keep beating the anxiety, beating the addiction, beating the alcohol. Let's not let any of them little fuckers win. Have a good day and I'll speak to you again real soon. Bye for now.